Good morning, church. How are you this morning? It's always great to be back at The Rock. And as your, as your name is, so you shall be. Unshakable. Whoa. I kind of like that. I feel like Moses. Unshakable and movable. Steadfast, resolute, determined, focused, heading towards the prize of the mark of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Great to be here this morning. There's a great presence of the Lord. Can we just take a bit of that? Is that just me? Is that the fallback? Maybe that's it's, it's singing a bit. Yep, that would be good. Uh, let me just take a moment just to let me, let me, Greg's done some wonderful prayers this morning. I just want to um, get in the zone myself and just, let's just commit this word to the Lord. Father, I thank you that the opportunity to bring your word is always a great privilege. And Lord, I, I count it a great privilege to come and speak to your people today. Those that may be watching on the internet this morning, I pray, Father, that the power of God would come upon them. That, Lord, you would stir our hearts afresh, that there would be breakthroughs that would take place in the inner man of every person this morning. Lord, you're a God of breakthrough. You're a God who can bring us into places that we've never been before. New territory, new realms. So, Holy Spirit, this morning we're trusting you that as we open the word of God, there would, that power would be emitted from your words directly into our spirit that this two-edged sword that discerns Lord, the very, and, 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 and cuts between the very bone and marrow, the very thoughts and intent of the human heart. Lord, nothing can get inside the heart of a man or a woman like the Word of God. So we pray your penetrating power, Lord, to break through into our lives, to dislodge all that is not from you, Lord, in order that we would build solely upon Christ Jesus this morning. So we thank you. May you anoint your servant this morning, Lord, and may your word be quick and powerful into our lives. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. I just feel uh, this morning walking into the atmosphere here that there is the Hebrew word for prophesy is nabah, which means to bubble up, to spring over. There's a fresh bubbling up that's taking place at the rock right now. There's a, there's a, there's a, um, there's a spring, a fresh spring that's been unlocked uh, within the rock. And, uh, and I would say to you that there will be times and there will be mornings, Sunday mornings, where the Spirit is going to move. There won't be any word. Um, and, and because the Holy Spirit wants to immerse His church in the presence and the power and, uh, and there's a, obviously the word is just so vital and the word is our rudder uh, and all that we do. But there will be times, I suggest, where you need to completely take the handbrake off and the Spirit is going to do some astounding things as you encounter him in the presence. And I also felt as I was worshiping this morning, I felt that the Holy Spirit said that God is building a new generation in the rock. And it's not a generation of age, it's a generation of spirit and attitude. 
And it's a generation just like the children of Israel, where all those over the age of 20 years old, apart from Caleb and Joshua, were disqualified from entering the promised land because of unbelief. They believed a bad report. As the spies came back from Canaan, only two of the 12 gave a good report, and the congregation chose to believe a bad report instead of a good report. Caleb and Joshua said, let's go. Our God is able. He's able to do the incredible. He's able to do the impossible. He's with us. Our enemies will be as fodder. We can go in. They might be giants in the land, but our God is greater than every giant that we face. We can go up and we can take the land. But you see, fear had already entered into the hearts of the children of Israel. My gosh, we have to be careful with the words we speak. Words are spirit. They contain power. There's power. There's life and death in the power of the spoken word. Our words have power. Our negative words have extreme power. And, uh, and they chose to believe a bad report. So they wandered around in circle for 40 years. Did you know the journey would only have taken them approximately three to four days from where they were to cross the Jordan? It took them 40 years of walking round in circles until all of the previous generation had died off. The new generation emerged and they were able to cross into the promised land. And I feel for the rock that God is saying there's a new generation of attitude of spirit and sonship that God is raising up. And that bubbling forth that you're seeing and that you're feeling right now as the Holy Spirit is beginning to move and as the Holy Spirit is beginning to get uh, the church into a place of traction, it's because the new generation is emerging. And as that generation emerges, there's going to come fresh traction over the life of the church. And you will find yourself tracking down areas where previously you hadn't considered because you said it's too hard with where we're at at the moment. God's going to say, no, it's not. Now is the time to begin to move on these, these endeavors, endeavors of the Spirit that God is placing in your pathway that are going to begin to emerge out of the heart of the leadership of this church. So I submit that word to you in the Spirit and the grace of uh, how it's um, come to me. And of course, all prophecy must be judged. So let the judges judge. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to um, open the Word of God. <clears throat> it's interesting with the prophetic word that came through Greg this morning of entering into the house that the Son has given us full access to all the Father has. And uh, we're to enter into the house. But unfortunately, in my experience of 30 years of ministry, and it's great, I've got some people here today who are from our second church. And the young man who was seven years old who gave his life to the Lord in our second church is now here as a 27 or something year old today as he's come to church. Isn't God good? Uh, just how the, uh, the grace of God works in our lives. But I've discovered over my time in ministry that not all enter in. And I want to talk to you today and, and bring a message called Despite My Issues. Despite My Issues. And I'm going to speak from the anointed King James Version this morning, the only true version of the Bible. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
Well, the Bible says that God has made us kings and priests. My name's James. That means... So I'm reading from the King James Version this morning. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue, oh dear, of blood... 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, Mark's favorite single word, 31 times, this word is mentioned in the gospel of Mark. The gospel of Mark is a gospel of action. It's my favorite gospel. Immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, Don't you see the multitude that are thronging you? And you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Father, as we open your word, begin to speak to us this morning. And a certain woman who had an issue... I want to put you in the picture of what this woman's life must have been. She had a very, very closed existence. If she had once upon a time been married, she was no longer married. Under Levitical law in Leviticus chapter 15, where there are certain laws, ceremonial laws given to the, um, the omission from both male and female bodies, that when a person... A woman, not, not just in her menstrual cycle, but if her menstrual cycle went longer, the Bible said that she was declared to be unclean. And get a load of this, it was only after the issue of blood had stopped that she would have to have seven days of purifying, and anything that she sat on, her bed, the chair, uh, in the home, everything was unclean. You weren't allowed to touch it or anything that she had touched. Now I want to tell you, 12 years, she didn't have leprosy, but she lived like a leper. She was a social outcast. She would be begging in herself for anonymity, hoping that when she went out of her house that people wouldn't recognize her because as soon as she did, she had the stigma of nobody being allowed in her immediate radius. Do you think that might have played on her mind just a little bit? A certain woman had a certain issue. Her very presence caused those who knew her to recoil from her. Because once they were touched her, then they were considered contaminated and they themselves had to go through a ceremonial process of cleansing. For 12 years, life had ebbed from her body. She was alone. She was cut off. She had the whispers of her neighbors 
in her ears, let alone the screams and shouts of her own self-condemnation of extreme unworthiness after having to live a life as a social outcast. She was alone. She was cut off. Every cent that she had had been spent trying to make herself better. The quacks of the day were enjoying every cent that she gave. They all knew her in the community because the Bible says that she had suffered many things under many physicians. You've got to understand, and I'm sure you do, that when somebody's given a terminal diagnosis or somebody's given a a long-term disease over their lives, then they begin to look at every possible opportunity in order to be made well. Boy, did she have an issue within her life. She spent every single cent that she had, and still she got worse and she got poorer with it. And with the walls of her condition closing in, finally, she had to make a decision that she could no longer live with the issue within her life. Something had to give. After 12 years, day in, day out, of weakness, of bleeding, of the unimaginable social interactions that she suffered on a daily basis. She came to the point where somebody said, there's some good news on the horizon. Have you heard about this rabbi whose name is Jesus? Wherever he goes, he heals the sick of their condition. He's even raised the dead. And he's come to town today. And with every last ounce of strength that she had, hoping that nobody would recognize her that day in case they rejected her and cast her out from the crowd. She even crawled through the crowd. Many say it's because she was so weak. I think she crawled through the crowd because she didn't want anyone to stop her quest for wholeness. And in herself, Something had broken loose within herself. Somehow a new belief system was forming on the inside of her. And she said that if I can just get near to this man, Jesus, if I can just get a hand on the very hem of the garment of the clothes that he's wearing, then something supernatural, something from heaven is going to begin to take place in my life and my life will be changed forever and all eternity Because Jesus is going to touch me. And she just made that last reach. And as she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, the Bible says, instantly, power flowed out from Christ and into this woman. I like to think that the power of Christ gobbled up that hemorrhaging disease that was in her body. And she was made completely 100% whole. I know this woman lived in Israel and you live in New Zealand. I know this was 2,000 years ago and this is now the 21st century. I know by wealth comparisons that you're relatively rich compared to this woman's condition. 
But I want you to look a little bit more closer at this woman this morning. I want you to see her pressing through the mob and the crowd. I want you to take a good look at the features of her suffering face. That she's so desperately trying to conceal in order that somebody wouldn't recognize her. And when you get close enough to discern her features, this is what I believe you discover. That she looks just like you. Because the truth is, friends, we all have issues. All of us. Some of our issues are out on our sleeve. But many of our issues are hidden from sight. Just like this woman hid in the cave of her own home because of her condition. We have struggles. We have issues of fear. We have issues of guilt, condemnation. We have issues of shame and hurt. We have issues of personal failure within our life. And all these issues, they do one thing. Just like this woman's issue, they drain the abundant life from us. And regardless of the specific issue, all of us experience limitations in our life. That is until we meet Jesus. And just like it was with this woman's issue, there's only one answer in order for us to be free of our issues. And just like she did, we must come to that point where we're prepared to become vulnerable. You know, I believe vulnerability is one of the key words of our day. Because many of us struggle to be vulnerable because of the secret nature of our issues. But in vulnerability and humility, there is incredible power that can be released from God's throne today. What exactly is an issue? It's a condition, an attitude or a circumstance that robs us of the abundant life that Jesus has secured for us. Can I say that again? An issue is a condition. It's an attitude or a circumstance that robs us of the abundant life that Jesus has secured for us. But you see, the thing about issues is that they, they, they tend to creep in from our past into our present. And they show up at the most inconvenient times in your life. They can hold you hostage. They can hinder you. They can sabotage all your efforts, these issues. They attach themselves to us in order to block our success and to stop us from fulfilling our destiny and the call of God that is upon our lives. They always seem to show up seemingly without invitation. Like that flat tire. That's very inconvenient because when you get a flat tire, you're always going somewhere, right? It takes time, money, and expense, but unless you fix the issue, you ain't going anywhere. 
rim riding is not a very pleasant experience. <laughs> so what do our issues look like and how do they affect our life? Well, firstly, this morning, the issues are often secret. They're often uniquely, deeply personal things that we try and push out of the way. But in our own strength, we don't seem to be able to do it. That's why the woman had to come to Jesus that day. The God factor needed to be introduced in our lives. So what do we do? Because they're so personal to us, we often hide our issues from others and pray that no one will discover the wounds of our heart. Luke 12, verse 2 in the message, I love this translation, listen to this. You can't keep your true self hidden forever. Hello? Before long, you'll be exposed. You can't hide behind a religious mask forever. Sooner or later, the mask will slip and your true face will be known. Issues cause us separation. They keep us separated from a life-giving relationship with God and they, they separate us from people. We may even try to hide them under a spiritual facade. But these issues that separate, they cause us to fear relationships, especially intimacy. It was impossible for this woman to experience an intimate relationship in her condition. And our issues often separate us in such a way that we are lost from relationships that have true meaning and true intimacy. Because there's something getting in the way. It's called an issue. We're frightened that we may appear vulnerable or unspiritual in the sight of others, so we keep our issue underground. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, Your sins are a roadblock between you and your God. That's why he doesn't answer your prayers or let you see his face. Wow. Our issues are a roadblock. Issues always flow from a source. In fact, did you know that's what the word means? In many other translations, you'll see that there was, this woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. The King James uses the translation issue of blood, but the original Greek for the word issue is the word rusis, which means a flowing. Did you know that our issues always flow out of a source? There's always a source from which your issue has come. That fear, that anger, that bitterness, they flow from a source in our past experience that hasn't yet been resolved. And until we deal with the source, the issue will continue to remain. And it will stop the flow of God within our lives. You know, I have, over 30 years, I've seen the most horrendous issues surface in ministry. I couldn't believe it that I found myself being called to a home one day of a young Christian couple who had two children. The youngest one was only about 18 months old. And the husband, in a moment of conviction and vulnerability, 
had confessed to his wife that when she was nearly on her deathbed giving birth to their youngest daughter, she was in fact critically ill in hospital, that he had rung a hooker and invited her round to sleep in their marriage bed while his wife was nearly dead. This is a good Christian man. How could such behavior emerge out of someone who names the name of Jesus? I want to tell you why, because he had an issue that had an unresolved source, and the issue was flowing to the point that he could behave in such unimaginable ways. And when he told his wife, she immediately rung me. By the time I got round there, in front of me around the dining table, I had to wait for 15 minutes while she beat him up. And I kind of just smiled on the inside a little bit. Because there was just such fury that it emitted out of her life at the disclosure of this incredible issue that, that was rooted in a deep source, which I discovered as I asked more questions, where he had been deeply ingrained in his father's pornography. And from the age of five years old, had been expo exposed to penthouse and Playboy magazines and had just immersed his eye gate to the point that his sexual drive was such that he couldn't wait until his wife was better. But he had to satisfy that spirit of lust, that issue within his life that was rooted in the source of pornography. You see, friends, when we receive Christ, I want to tell you your future eternity and, and the possibilities in your life are endless. But he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And many and many are sitting in the pews, bound by their issues of the past, And you know how you've still got a problem? Your behavior hasn't changed. It can't change until you resolve the source of the issue. In my own life, two years as a pastor, and by a set of coincidences and circumstances, I ended up meeting the woman that I had lived with prior to becoming a Christian. And as I met with her, Suddenly, all my mind was assaulted. It was assaulted with images of past intimate experiences. It was assaulted with emotions that, that were out of control within my life. And I found that I just could not stop thinking about this woman. And I was newly married. I had a young child and another one on the way. And I tried my best to hide my issue from my wife. But my wife is a very discerning woman. When you meet my wife, nothing gets past my wife. Her beady eyes see everything. And you better watch out for that warrior spirit. When she does the haka, you better get out of the way. <laughs> And so I disclosed fully what was going on in my mind because I couldn't stop the issue. But you were a pastor. You were a, you were a man of God. God had appointed you to be a shepherd of the church. How could you think like that? 
Well, you know how I could think like that? I still had a soul tie that was going back that had never been broken within my life. Because when I met her at a nightclub, she was here on holiday in New Zealand from her husband, and she never went back. Instead, she moved in with me. So a spirit of adultery, a spirit of adultery was hanging over my life. And I want to tell you today that over 30 years of marriage, we've just been married 30 years, praise God, in April, 30 years of marriage, we've remained faithful to each other. But you know what had to happen? I needed to be healed of my issue. So immediately, immediately, whilst we were on holiday and this all rose, I did a few phone calls and I got a hold of a deliverance minister in Auckland who was on holiday and praise God for godly men like this who said, meet me at my office. And he came in in his shorts and jandals and his t-shirt and he prayed over my wife and I for an hour and he hit every single issue on the head by word of knowledge. And what the problem was, friends, is that my father had been a serial adulterer. And there was a generational curse of adultery that was over my life, which was proven by the fact that on my mother's side and my father's side, every single marriage had gone to the wall. Not one marriage had lasted. So God had to deal with my issue. And I came running to touch the hem of Christ's garment that day. Because I knew this issue would eventually disqualify me from my calling. Issues always flow from a source. We've got to deal with the source of the issue. That rage, that anger in your life, it's not just a silly besetting sin that you have, it's rooted in a source. That frustration that you're dealing with in your life, it's rooted in a source. Those perverted thoughts that you struggle with as a Christian, it's rooted in a source. That issue of pornography, and new surveys just come out in the United States of America who surveyed both pastors and congregations. 70% of pastors have confessed to struggling with porn. 85% of all males in church in this recent survey, which was a, a top quality research company, 85% of male respondents in churches responded that they regularly look at pornography. This is the church, not the world. Issues result in bondage. As we carry our issues with us year after year, this is what happens if we don't deal with them. We begin to adapt our lives around our issues. The woman with the issue of blood had limited her entire existence around her condition, around her issue. You know, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And our lives are only as effective as the issues that we have resolved. Hello, can I say that again? A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And our lives are only as effective as the issues that we're willing to resolve within our lives. You see, this morning, the invitation to come and prophecy was there. But still many of us are not entering the Father's house. 
Many of us are not going into those places that are normally reserved for intimate, close family members because we still feel somehow restricted or ostracized in ourselves. So we never build a life of intimacy. We build a life of religion. Because our issues are flowing and are restricting us from experiencing intimacy with Christ. I love this. And I want to read this to you from the message translation, Romans 14, 23. But if you're not sure, if you notice that you're acting in ways inconsistent with what you believe, some days trying to impose your opinions on others, other days just trying to please them, then you know that you're out of line. Listen to this. If the way you live isn't consistent with what you believe, then it's wrong. Those inconsistencies could be because of our issues. Issues can often become excuses. I've seen so many talented people heading for greatness that have been detoured by doubt and despair because of their unresolved issues within their life. Their hurts that they've never resolved, and when their issues are allowed to grow unchecked, they begin to think of themselves as victims instead of dealing with the issue. And we excuse ourselves, and then we push, that pushes us further away from our potential. Is anybody listening this morning with your spiritual ears today? Ephesians 4.22, since then we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. (laughs) Everything with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Whoa, what a beautiful couple of verses right there. And issues this morning, issues can be used by Satan to defeat us. Frequently, our issues are used by hell to defeat us. Unchecked, they bind us and present our future with the ropes of the past. They keep us cowering in the dark in that place of isolation to try and hide us from the one who can help us. That's why vulnerability this morning is key for our freedom. If you continue to hide, then your issues won't be resolved. I was praying for a man. We, we're, doing a, um, we're doing a number of items of training in our church of recent times, and I had the pleasure in my group on Thursday night of praying for a young man whom I married eight months ago, and with tears pouring down his face, he said, I want to confess something to you. He said, a friend of the family, when I was a young boy, about seven years of age, sexually abused me. And I've never told anybody about it. This is a large, grown man in the military who's confessing to me there's been a blockage in his life. I've been unable to draw near to God. 
because there's been all sorts of attachments that have surrounded because of that breach of trust as a young boy. And the subsequent heartache and internal issues of being afraid to ever tell. I praise God that day that the Holy Spirit was able to get him to vocalize and verbalize and bring what was in the dark into the light in order for him to gain freedom. He walked out of that room in our church offices on Thursday night a different man. It's not enough for us to know that we have issues. That's enough to depress you and it's enough to depress me this morning. We must understand this morning that we can be free. We can be free of the issues that plague us. If the Son sets you free, Jesus Christ, you are free through and through. I want to tell you there wouldn't have been a hope in hell. And I say that as it, as it is because there is no hope in hell. Hell is a place that is completely hopeless. There wasn't hope for my wife and I to ever remain in a stable, ongoing, loving relationship except I was able to resolve my issues that day. That day I walked out of that pastor's office as a 27, 28-year-old young man, young father, young pastor. I walked out a different man. The source of my issue had been hit on the head. But I had to come running to the Christ in order to receive it. And that's the great news that I've got for you this morning, that in spite of your issues today, in spite of your issues today, there is hope for your life today. God has not abandoned you to a life where you cannot break out of the cave of your disillusionment, out of the life that you have lived where you've kept things secret, where you've kept your issues under wrap, where you've built a life around your issues instead of dealing and resolving your issues today. And I believe the power of Christ is here today for me to bring this word at this time and this season for you at the rock because God wants to resolve some of our issues in this place. This is a safe place. This is the house of of God. This is the gateway to heaven. This is where God type of things take place as we disclose before the living God the issues that we need to have resolved within our lives. You know, any godly man or woman, they'll never treat you any different when you disclose your issues. In fact, they will love you even more for being true to yourself and being honest to the Lord. To dislodge that issue and to dislodge the source and the root system out of your life that you might be set free in the name of Jesus today. God has a future. God has a hope. God has plans for good and not for evil over our lives. And when our lives have been secretly plagued by evil things that are obstacles, things that we get so far and then suddenly we're being held hostage by our behavior and it pulls us back down until we actually say, well, I'll never get up on that platform. I'll never get on that platform, not the stage in church, but I'll never step onto the platform of my destiny because I'm afraid that when I get up there, it's all going to turn to custard and I'll disappoint and I'll hurt people. Friends, that's called bondage. God wants to release us from that life today. Who's got a pen handy? Paul, can you come here? You can be my guinea pig. So I shoot an arrow. Hold that arrow right there. 
turn around, show everybody that you've been hit with an arrow. Just use your imagination this morning. Now Paul comes into A&E with an arrow in his chest. And I'm, I'm the doctor on duty. Doctor, not King James, Dr. James today. <laughs> Dr. James. So Dr. James takes one look at the arrow and says, that's not good. <laughs> and he says, this is what I'm going to do for you, Paul. I want you to take two Panadol every four hours. And Paul, I'm going to send you to a seminar and I'll give you the telephone number of the man that's going to take the seminar and he's going to teach you how to manage that arrow in your chest for the rest of your life. <laughs> See, what needs to happen is that he needs to call a surgeon who has skill and knowledge and understanding who is going to be able to take the arrow and is going to be able to remove it from his chest in order for him to be free. Can you breathe okay? Can now. Awesome. Great, buddy. So you see, my friends, this is what we so often do. We manage our arrows instead of removing them. And we live our lives around them instead of dealing with the issue today. I want us to reach out to Christ this morning. I want to plead with you today, not just to come and I'll be the Catholic priest and you can come and confess all your sins to me today. That's not what this is all about. What this is about is living a life of intimacy with God that is uninterrupted, that is undisturbed because we've been brave enough, bold enough to be able to confess our issues and get to the source and remove them from our lives. Could we stand to our feet, please? I want to make two calls two, for two responses this morning. The first call is simply this. Only God knows the true condition of every person's heart that is here today. And we're in one of two camps. If you're here this morning in church, maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you haven't really been a regular church goer. Or perhaps you used to go to church a long time ago and somehow you found yourself back here at the rock this morning. There's only two camps that we're in. We're either in Christ or we're out of Christ. And today God is pleading through me to you that Jesus Christ is issuing you an invitation. He's knocking on the door of your life and he wants you to open the door. The great 18th century painter painted a picture of uh, Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 of Christ knocking on the door. And in the picture you'll find that the door has no external doorknob. It's only on the inside. So you're the only one that can open the door to Christ this morning for your life. 
There is no external door handle. God's not going to pull the handle and, and push his way into your life. Today, he wants you to open your life, and he's issuing you an invitation today. He wants to come and sup with you. He wants to develop a life of intimacy with you. But to do that, you must open your life and receive Christ. To as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God today. Today, there's someone to be believed and someone to be received. His name is Jesus. And if you've been backslidden or you've been struggling with your walk with Christ and you need to come across and make a fresh commitment to God or you're here for the first time and you want to become a Christian today, then becoming a Christian, you need to receive Christ with every head bowed for a moment and every eye closed. You're saying, Pastor James, that's me today. I, I need to give my life to Christ. I need Christ to come into me. I want to receive Jesus into my life. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to know eternal life. Without anyone looking around for a moment of privacy, if that's you, could you quickly slip your hand up so I can see it today? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anyone else saying, yes, I need to give my life to Christ? Is there anyone in the balcony this morning? Those of you who may be watching online today, if you need to get your life right with Christ, then now is the time. Now is the opportunity for you to respond. God bless you, sir. This is how we do it. I introduce you to Jesus through a prayer that you pray from your heart. It's not just repeating a mantra. These are words that are deeply, it's an invitation you're issuing to Christ to come into your life today. And as you follow me in this prayer, at the end of this prayer, Christ is going to be in you. You're going to be born again. You're going to be on God's side. You're going to be on team Jesus this morning. Let's pray this prayer. Could we pray it all together? If you could follow after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I understand you love me, but my sins have separated me from you. I acknowledge Jesus as the bridge to the Father. And I walk across that bridge this morning. And I ask Christ to come into my life. Please forgive me of my sins, my backslidings. I receive you now, Jesus, into my life. And I welcome you to make your home in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. For those of you that have responded to that call today, please make it known to somebody either that you came with this morning or to one of the leaders of the church here so they can further help you and take you on into the next step. As we finish, as the musicians play, as we finish the service, friends, I want you to imagine that woman again. That day she came to Christ. She said, I can't live with my issue any longer. I'm not going to live with this issue in my life anymore. I'm not going to face the isolation, the heartache, the screams of self-condemnation in my mind. I want to be free. 
And she saw the answer in Christ. And today, Jesus is here in the midst of this church. Christ is here to set you free. Jesus is here to deliver you of your issue. That you may walk out of this place with the light of God radiating out of your face because your issue has gone. Your issue has been delivered from your life. So will you choose today? It doesn't matter how big or how small it is. In the sight of God, God wants to get rid of them all. So if that's you this morning, would you come quickly? If you have a, if you have a, a problem in your body this morning, uh, I, had a, I had a quick pray as, uh, I, I would, this morning as I waited on the Lord. And the Lord gave me a number of conditions this, uh, this morning. There's somebody here today. You've suffered verbal abuse as a child. And it's become a major issue in your life. You still suffer greatly with self-condemnation and worthlessness because you were continuously chided and scolded as a child. And it's become a major roadblock in your life. There's somebody else here today. You'll face a generational curse of poverty over your life. What that means is no matter how hard you work, no matter how much you try to put in the bank, you always hit a ceiling and you're never able to get ahead financially. That's called a curse of poverty. And most likely it comes down three to four generations over your life. Today, God wants to smash that curse off your life in the name of Jesus. There's somebody else today and you've become a very resentful person. You don't want to. But you find it too easy to become resentful towards others. And you finish a conversation with someone and then you go away and you begin to rail on that person because of the resentful spirit that has come into your life. God wants to deliver you from that today. It's like the Lord said, you're carrying a chip on your shoulder. God wants to get to the source of that this morning. There's somebody here that really struggles with faith for miracles. There's a spirit of unbelief around about your life that God wants to break. And finally, there's someone here today that you've had a problem with your Achilles tendon. Can I just see that person that continuously flares up? You've had treatment. You've had, you've had, uh, you've had, you've been to see physios and stuff, but you just start getting back into exercise and your Achilles tendon plays up. Can I just see that hand of that person this morning in the meeting? God bless you. I want to pray for you this morning because I believe God wants to do a full healing within your life. So as we play this last song, would you come? And I'd like to invite the Rock Prayer Team to come as well. And we want to be able to pray genuinely with you today in the name of Jesus. God bless you and thank you so much for listening this morning. Mm -hmm.